Welcome to episode 12 of the Fontcast, Fonts Occasional Foray into the World of Podcasting. I'm Brad Nowland and I'm joined by Beecher Townsend and Brad Stansfield. Gents, welcome. Hello. Great to be here. Well, an interesting couple of weeks since the last episode. Parliament has resumed, Labor's had its annual love-in, it's realigned its policy and on top of that we have a new member for Clark. And to talk about that, we are joined by the woman of the moment, Madeline Ogilvie. Madeline is, of course, a Hobart-based lawyer, former Labor member for Denison and independent candidate for the seat of Nelson. And now, in a real twist, she is the newest representative of the seat of Clark. Madeline, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And first off, the million-dollar question, we all want to know the answer. Will you sit as a Labor MP or as an independent on the crossbench? Yes, that is the million-dollar question. I know everybody's very excited about it. Look, when I arrive in Parliament, I will be arriving as an independent. And I know it's been a long time since the House of Assembly has had an independent. So people are grappling still with what arrangements should be and where seats should be and offices and those sorts of things. Certainly um, the admin arrangements are top of my mind because I've got to turn up to work tomorrow (laughs) unexpectedly. Okay, so why? Let's unpack that. Why are you going to sit in Parliament as an independent? Sure. Look, as you know, I've got a strong tradition of politics in my family and um, my career has been uh, in political life and legal life as well. But the reality is I did run as an independent for Nelson. I enjoyed that campaign a lot. It was a really colourful, fun campaign. I felt I could be myself and that was a good thing. So, look, I had let my membership lapse. Uh, There's, you know, I have no problem with anybody in the Labor Party. I have a lot of friends there still. But the reality is the moment is now. I have an opportunity to help what I see as a parliament in need of a bit of stability And I would like to try, at the very least, to try and improve debate and governance. And so I think, look, we'll start as an independent. I'll rock up in there and let's hope that uh, things pan out in a good way. Okay. So obviously a former uh, Labor MP, endorsed Labor candidate. Yes. Have you had any conversations with the Labor Party and what were those conversations? Oh, of course. Look, I talk to everybody all the time. Look, I've had warm and friendly conversations. Don't forget that I've worked with these people for a long time, four years in Parliament. I have friends right across the chamber, not just in Labor. And the reality is that as an independent, what I want to do is work collaboratively with everybody. So this is a fresh approach, a new set of eyes. I do bring some strong legal skills. I'm good at reviewing legislation and understanding the legislative process. So that's something that's been lacking a little bit in the House. So I'm really hopeful that those skills will help. I want to be there to try and raise the level of debate and discourse, if I can, and to get that contest of ideas happening. And that just actually might be a little bit easier to do if I'm sitting on the crossbench. Well, what do you say to all those Labor voters out there who voted for you in good faith, who now may feel disenfranchised or disappointed that you're not sitting as a Labor MP? What do you say to them? Uh, Look, it's a real question. I know there's been some discussion about it. But look, my values haven't changed. I haven't changed. I'm still the same person. I'll be sitting on the crossbench. I'll probably have more time to help them. I've always been about the voters. I've always been about the people. I'm always about grassroots democracy and representing everybody. I do that in my legal practice and political life. So Labor voters who want to come and talk with me, my door is open and always will be. But unfortunately, Times changed and we are where we are. So we're carving a new way forward with this. Madeline, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, it must be very exciting. Yeah. Um, 
When you ran for Nelson, and yeah. that was what not that long ago, yeah. you said in your campaign material that you would honour the yes, mandate that's of, right, of as the an elected, upper house member. Yes, absolutely. Honour the mandate of the government in relation yeah. to legislation yep. that they brought forward that they take into the election. Sure. Now I hear you talking about stability and yes. certainty. Yes, So yep. just wondering what approach you will take to legislation that the government brings forward. The process, absolutely. Look, I'm really happy to address that because that's, again, the second million dollar question, isn't it? How will you go on bills and how will you vote on things? Now, my actual experience in Parliament is that the work is done when you are reviewing the bill, when you are consulting and talking to people about what they actually want. Now, I want to be careful that I don't come in and pretend I have all the answers. I will just be one voice in a Parliament of 25 people do have those legal skills and I hope that I can use them. So my process will be to review every bill, to read it myself. I've actually drafted bills. I've got those skills. Read it carefully. If there are things that I think need to be fixed or amended, I will put those suggestions forward. Sitting in the lower house is very different from being an independent upper house member and I do believe that the numbers in the lower house will generally slosh in one way or the other in support or otherwise of bills. But I have no doubt that there will be times when bills come forward that may could be contentious or I may just have a very different personal view on where I will need to have a say. And I will, you know, this, this is the thing, this is the independent thing, right? So I reserve my right to have that say and to vote the way I think my constituents want me to vote because they are the bosses really when it comes mm. down to it. Yeah, fair enough. Right, well, let's cut to it. Have you had any conversations with the Liberal Party? What are they <laughs> saying? Are there any truth to the rumours in the media that you're considering joining the Liberal Party? No, no and no. Um, I'm not joining the Liberals. The party hasn't been talking with me. I know everybody's very excited about all of these ideas, but that is not the case. All right. What about government? What conversations, if any, are you having with sure. government? Yeah, sure. No, look... When I walk into Parliament as an independent, again, as I, as I foreshadowed, I will be having conversations with government. In particular, I'll be talking with Michael Ferguson. He's the leader of the House. It's important to do that, just so your listeners know, that there are some things that we'll have to address that have never had to be addressed before in Parliament. This is around standing orders. This is about my ability to ask a question, to make speeches, to engage in private members' time. Those things are really important. And the Standing Orders Committee, uh, of which he is the, the chairman, will need to address those. So I need to be part of that conversation. The other part is, of course, I'll be speaking with the Clerk of the House about administrative arrangements. So this is all the, the functionality of Parliament. And having been there before, I know what to expect. So, you know, I'm really hopeful it pans out well. Well, on the topic of the function of Parliament and those things, there's going to yeah. be times when you'll hold the balance of power. How are you going to deal with that? Look, I take that incredibly seriously. It is a really weighty thing to have and I think I'm always about negotiation and discussion. I think creating those really strong working relationships across Parliament early so that those fruitful discussions can be had will be very important. But I've been trying to turn my mind to what exactly could come up where that situation would arise and it's difficult to think of scenarios now, we all know that in Parliament uh, the conscience vote is there for issues that have been particularly life or death issues, have particular contentions. That's a separate thing. A balance of power vote would have to be on a bill that is separate to a conscience vote issue. So I will be prudent, I will be listening 
particularly to the people of Clark. We put them first. They're the ones who effectively have asked me to represent them. They're my first priority, but I will also be thinking about Tasmania and making sure that we make sound decisions that are well consulted. So what about, for example, Maddie, um, Mm. a confidence vote in a minister? I don't see any reason why confidence votes should, you know, usually they're stunts, aren't they? And on both sides, I've seen it on both sides of politics. You'd have to do something pretty bad to actually have a real sense of no confidence. Mm. So I'm very robust about this. I'm robust about the tactics and the form and the frame of parliament. But it would be my personal view at this time that there is no reason why this government shouldn't be allowed to run its full term and to be able to get on with business that is good for Tasmania. And I would certainly be wanting to support that. Okay, Madeline, I know you're very busy. Uh, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Is the grilling finished? On the Foncast. Yeah, that's it. That's all we have time for. I'd ever be grilled by you three. (laughs) Well, there you go. Congratulations again. Welcome back. We look forward to seeing you in Preston time. And uh, we'd like to have you on the Foncast again. One last thing before Madeline goes SFL Grand Final, Madeline. SFL Grand Final on the weekend. And look, you know, here's how ecumenical I am already um, working with Elise Archer. She's been our ambassador for SFL already. Every year she turns up. We even made a speech together the other night. But SFL Grand Final, get to North Hobart, please. We need everybody there. Fantastic news and thank you for your support on that too. Excellent. We'll see you there and we'll be back in just a moment to unpack and analyse what Madeline has just told us here on the Foncast. And welcome back to Foncast. Interesting comments there from Ms Ogilvie Gents. What does this mean for politics in Tasmania? Start with you, Brad. Well, I think when the Premier hears the comments that Ms Ogilvie has just made, um, he will think all his Christmases have come early. It is a, a complete change in the paradigm of Tasmanian politics and to have Madeline come into the Parliament essentially or directly saying... Not only will I sit as an independent, but I think the government should go full term and I won't be supporting motions of no confidence in ministers because generally they are stunts, is a significant change and very, very positive for the government. Um, Obviously, the opposition, well, I think they'll be wondering how did they let this one slip through their hands. Beecher? Yeah, look, uh, Brad's not wrong in what he says, uh, that just about floored me. Really, if you think about 18 months ago, well, you know, the 2018 state election, we had majority Liberal government, happy days, and then the next thing we know, the Speaker does her thing. 18 months on, you sort of were thinking, well, you know, will this government be able to run the full term? And now after that, it's clear this government will be able to run the full term. It is a significant blunder by Labor. There's no denying it. There's no other way you can look at it. And I think it's a significant turning point for this government. So when you say blunder, blunder in the sense that they didn't convince her to join or didn't appear to even try to convince her to join? I think they were falling over themselves to work out whether they wanted her to join or not. They have been making signs that they want to govern for all Tasmanians, for a broad cross-section of the community. And frankly, with this one, they've failed the first test The reality is they need to be a broad church to talk to the broadest cross-section as possible of the community by being unable to get to a point where I suspect should Madeleine Ogilvie have 
lodged her application to rejoin the party, she was unclear as to whether she would have been allowed in as a member. This, this is an appalling situation. The Labor Party has got to reflect on the need to govern for all Tasmanians and it now must work over the next coming 12, 18 months to win back Madeleine Ogilvie and win back the confidence of the community that uh, they can govern for all Tasmanians. So as it stands at the moment, and knowing what we know now, do you think there is any chance at all that Madeleine would even consider rejoining the Labor Party? I think at this stage, no, but it's politics, never say never. I think having uh, chatted to Madeleine off mic, as it were, she's saying, I'm in, I'm in as an independent, everybody cool their jets, let's just see how things go and see where we go. I think the opportunity is there for Labor to do something about this and I think if they were smart, they would because she has given government back to the Liberals for the next two, two and a bit years. So over the past few elections we've seen the Liberals with a real stronghold in the northern half of the state, which returns 15 members to the lower house, and Labor with a fairly decent group on the southern half of the state, which returns 10 of the five seats in Clark, Labor now has one. Brad, how big a problem is this for Labor? Well, I mean, again, it is nothing short of a disaster for them. I remember it was only 18 months ago the three-seat Denison strategy for Labor was going to carry them across the line to minority government, three seats for Labor in Denison. They now have one. I remember when Labor used to poll... 50% plus in Denison slash Clark, federal, state elections. They don't. It's now an independent federal seat. It's now got a quasi-independent and an actual independent at the state level. Labor must really reflect on, as Peter said, however let this happen. And just in terms of the mechanics of how the House operates, this is what the first independent we've seen since the mid-90s and Bruce Goodluck. Uh, it's the first time we've had an independent under a 25-seat assembly. There are going to be a lot of changes that will need to be made. Madeline flagged that she'll be talking to the various committees regarding things like question time, uh, private members' time, speaking on bills, those sorts of mechanical issues. How much airtime do you think Madeline will actually get in Parliament? Do you think she's going to be allocated questions every day, do you think she's going to be able to raise uh, motions and bring forward her own bills if she wants to? She'll get enough airtime that um, no one will forget she's there. There's no doubt about that. Mm. Um, and the Greens have two independent members. They're not a party member in, in the state parliament and they get two questions a day, private members' time a week, an MPI, matter of private importance, public importance, uh, I think once a fortnight. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for, for Madeline to have her say and have her voice heard. Okay. And Beecher, for you, what does this mean for Sue Hickey? Do you think she's under fire from Labor? She's alienated some of the base in the Liberals. She's not on good terms with the Greens at the moment and it seems that the one trump card that she did have, which was holding the balance of power, has gone too. Is this an even bigger disaster for Sue Hickey than it was or than it is for Labor? Uh, well, I don't know whether I'd call it a disaster, but I think it would be fair to say that Sue Hickey is now not as relevant as she has been in recent times. A significant amount of her thunder has been stolen and I think 
it places her in a position of having to scratch her head in terms of what strategy she might put in place moving forward in the lead up to the next election. And she would really need to think about where she's going to get her vote from. What people need to remember with a Tasmanian parliament is the Speaker only votes if it's a tie. So 12 Liberals plus one Independent Ogilvy equals 13 and the Speaker has no role other than to say the eyes have it. Her power hasn't just been sort of shared with Madeleine Ogilvy to a large extent, it has been taken away. Well, that's it for episode 12. Thanks to Brad and Beecher and, of course, to Madeleine Ogilvy for joining us earlier on in the Fontcast. The Fontcast is produced by Font and Icon Media. It's directed by Sam Icon and engineered by Brendan Lenahan. And until next time, carry on. <laughs>